What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. How are we this week? Yes. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. We hope you guys are having a great spring week. It's, it's got to be a great spring week because this week is Earth Day when this episode is yes. coming out, which is kind of what inspired this whole episode about sustainability. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that my cue? Yeah. So today we are doing an entire episode. We're calling it our sustainability checklist. It's kind of a you know surface level beginning conversation about how you can implement more sustainable practices into your life. Yes. And before we get into that, I just want to remind you guys about our one-year celebration episode coming up in May. So we want to hear from you on the biggest lesson or the most important thing you've learned in the past 365 days. So if you want to be included in the episode, send a voice recording to our email, which will be linked in the description of this episode by April 30th. And if you want us to send you a little something, something as a token of our gratitude in the mail, include your address when you email us. You don't have to say it. Just like put it in the email. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All addresses will be private. (laughs) We're not going to put your address in the episode. Don't worry. But if you want us to send you something in return, include your address and we'll do that. Yes. We're looking forward to hearing from you guys and being able to send you guys a little something, something. So while we're on the topic of reminders, we also want to remind you guys to go ahead if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you're on Spotify, you can switch over to Apple Podcasts really quick and give us a five-star review or just leave us your thoughts on the show so far. These really help us out not only with getting the show out there to more listeners, but also so that we know what we're doing well, what you guys would like to see from the show. We love hearing your feedback. So definitely, if you haven't already, go leave us a five-star review. And if you do, we may, and by may, I mean, we definitely will read the (laughs) review out on the show. Yes. And the better reviews that we have, the more likelihood that we can secure some really awesome guests for you guys. So it's kind of a win-win situation. So we'd love it if you could leave us a review or just a rating if you haven't yet. Uh, It really helps us out with the algorithm and we would be forever indebted. Yes, for sure. (laughs) All right, let's move into our segment starting with the week in review. So this week, my friend Dana, who I actually did an episode with um, a couple months back about her pivoting her career, so go check that out if you're interested, Uh, but she invited me to come down and visit her in Boston for the day, and we actually went to the seaport And it was my first time back in kind of like the more downtown, like metropolitan area of Boston. I had been like on the suburbs and like where I used to live and stuff, but I hadn't been downtown since, you know, pre-pandemic. And it honestly was weirdly like I never left. Like it was just really great to get back out there and like walk around. It was a really nice spring day. It was in like the 60s and it was just, I don't know, things felt weirdly normal and I felt like it was really comforting and it was really like a light at the end of the tunnel kind of day like I obviously we had masks on and everyone did and stuff but other than that like people were out and about and having a good time and walking their dogs and I was like wow is this what a post-covid world is gonna look like like I can't wait um so it was cool being back there um just because you know I hadn't seen it in so long but um we did a little shopping bought some Everlane stuff it was a great day so Just wanted to mention that and thank Dana for inviting me down. 
Um, and then another thing I wanted to bring up was that I finally set up Notion, you guys. I don't know when I mentioned originally that I was like trying to set it up. I've just been exploring it for a long time. If you don't know what it is, it's like a, I guess you could say like a productivity app. The thing that makes it yeah. hard is that it's like an anything app. Like it's so yeah. open-ended. You can literally do pretty much anything with it. And for that reason, it takes a lot of initial setup to like figure out what you want to do with it. And so I had been playing with it for like two months now and just kind of not figuring out like what I wanted to use it for. But I finally set it up and I found it a lot easier to set up for work first. And I think I'll eventually set it up for like my personal life and organization. But I set it up for work and I'll have to like screen share with you when we're done recording and I'll show you Kylie because yeah. I need to get Kylie on the notion train, but I'm yeah, really proud I'm of it. And it. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to like it. it. I've only been using it for a couple of days and I'll obviously like make changes. I imagine once I start using it and kind of get in the groove, but I'll read you guys my high level like categories for now for work. So I have a jot it down category, which is literally just a place for me to put like quick notes that I need to organize later. Um, a to-do section with a task list and a weekly agenda meeting prep for one-to-ones and our team all hands, tracking for wins. So basically like I've heard it's a good practice to make a list of every time you feel proud of yourself throughout the year so that when you can do your like annual review, you have something to go off of and like show your manager um, and just like look at if you're feeling not confident or something. Um, I also have an anti-to-do list, which I heard about doing. So basically anytime you find yourself doing something that you don't really feel like pertains to like your growth or like you just don't really know why you wasted time doing it, you can put it on your anti-to-do list (laughs) and bring it up as like, yeah, like why did I waste time on this? Or like if you get to the end of the day and you're like, what was I doing all day that I didn't get to like these important tasks, put them on your anti-to-do list. (laughs) Um, And then I have my annual goals just to make sure that I like look at them more often because I feel like when they're in the drive, they just like get lost. Um, And then I have a resources column, which is an Eisenhower matrix and a decision journal, which I had never heard of an Eisenhower matrix before, but it's basically like a it's like a grid situation. And on the Y axis, it says oh important and not important. And on the X axis, it says urgent and not urgent. And so oh, you I list, have heard of this. Yeah, you like list tasks. So I figured it'd be good to look at if I ever don't know how to prioritize something because it's like you can delegate it, do first, do later, you know, whatever. So anyway, that's my notion thing. I'll let you guys know how it develops. But so far, I'm liking it. I just think it's really intimidating to get started. Um, so if you want me to share this template, if you're also a working gal, let me know. <laughs> yeah, you'll definitely have to show me what that's looking like because I'm still in the like notion is very scary to me <laughs> phase because it is so open-ended and I just need a little bit more guidance. Um, but yeah, proud of you, pal, for figuring that out. Um, for my week in review, I want to talk about, you know, feeling burnt out as a law student. I'm sure a lot of people who are in law school right now, especially finals are approaching. Um, You're probably feeling a little burnt out. Your girl is feeling very burnt out. Um, And yeah, I was saying to Anya before we got um, to recording that it's kind of been a cycle of I've had a really busy week and I just kept thinking to myself, well, okay, things will slow down next week. And then the next week comes and it's somehow busier. And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, things have to slow down next week, right? No, actually, next week will be busier than the other two weeks as well. And it's been going for about five weeks now. So I'm really looking forward to that, like, one week when I'm like, oh, this actually did slow down. That's great. Um, But yeah, I was talking to my therapist about it. She was like, maybe you need to learn to, like, redistribute the work that you're doing in a day. Like, maybe you're just assigning yourself too many tasks to do. The tough thing about being a student or even in a job is you don't have a lot of control over what you do 
Like at the end of the day, I need to do the readings. I need to do the assignments. Like I have to get it done. There's no real way for me to cut back on any work. It's just figuring out how to distribute it in a way that doesn't leave me like feeling like I'm going to fall asleep at 3 p.m. Because that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I always see these like pieces of advice that are like, oh, don't give yourself more than like three things to get done in a day, like because that's what that that's what's realistic. And I'm like, for who? Like, I got I need to get like at least eight things done today. Like, I can't Legit. just pick three. Like, yeah, and it's like it's at the point where I'm like, okay, I can only do three things today, but that means I have to redistribute the five other things that I was probably supposed to do today. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, so just trying to work through that. It is kind of a you know a pressure point in the semester with it being kind of that mid-semester point. So I'm hoping that, you know, there's normally like a good two weeks or so where it's like the lull before the storm of finals. So I'm just, you know, really looking forward to that lull. Um, But yeah. And then another thing that I wanted to bring up was another thing that I talked about in therapy. Um, I saw a TikTok and it was a girl. And do you know that sound that's like Sarah came home from school today? And it's like, Sarah! And And Caillou responds, and he's like, yeah, yeah. You, you sent me this or this TikTok. Did I, I send it to you? Hopefully you guys know what sound I'm talking yeah. about. Otherwise I sound crazy. Um, Nihau. Yeah. What? <laughs> it was that sound. And the like caption was when you make up like fictional plots in your head and like assign characters and storylines and all this stuff to help you fall asleep. And then the like Caillou part was um, when you find out that it's called maladaptive daydreaming. It's a way to cope with trauma. And this really shook me because I do this. I don't know if this is weird. I don't know if I'm being hella vulnerable right now, but like for as long as I can remember to fall asleep, I think of stories in my head. Sometimes I'm involved, sometimes I'm not, but I come up, I'm like, what's the plot today? What's the main conflict? What do we have (laughs) to achieve? Like what's the love story today? If I'm feeling particularly sappy, And I think these up and they help me fall asleep. So I was like, hmm, this is interesting. that There's like a name to this. And maladaptive insinuates like disruptive and like overall not healthy. So I did go to my therapist and was like, am I good? Like, should I be concerned? The consensus is that like, number one, I'm good. (laughs) Number two, this like, I don't want to call it a disorder, but I don't know what else to call it but like this habit habit um is really like focusing on people who like do this to a point where they can't fall asleep like they keep themselves awake at night with these daydreams or people who do it during the day and like can't focus on tasks or like do their daily activities because they get so wrapped up in this like fictional world that they make up she's like that's when it kind of crosses over into that like maladaptive and she was kind of like kylie you're a creative person like if you're just letting your creative muscles kind of flex a little bit to help you fall asleep. Like, I don't think that's anything wrong. So I thought it was interesting to talk about because it was one of those things that I think I assumed everyone did. I was like, yeah, this is totally normal. So then to see that TikTok kind of like shook me a little bit. And I was like, am I traumatized? (laughs) Is that what's happening here? But I don't think think that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess I never really thought about it before. I guess I have done this, but I don't think it's like an every night thing. I don't know. See, I, I really, like, I'll have to keep track now. I don't know. 
I like intentionally go to bed like thinking like Tuss, excited to come up with the really? juicy plot tonight. Yeah, I'm so serious. Interesting. People are gonna be like, Kylie, you like need like another therapist. I feel like, like I could I'll think of like real life situations and I'm like, what if this happened instead or something? You know, like alternatives, but I'll not like too. entirely made up stuff. I'll do that, but then I'll also do like what if I was famous? And really? I went on, like, the Helen show. <laughs> or I'll okay, be like, yeah, what would happen if, like, like, I've done it before where it's, like, completely fictional people. And I'm, like, pretending oh, to, like, write a book or something. <laughs> Am I weird? Do I, need I don't to know. You'll have to decide. Do I need a DM. second opinion <laughs> from a therapist? I know. So, yeah. Please let me know if you do this and if you're concerned at all for my mental well-being. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I should conduct a survey and figure out if other people do this. <laughs> Yeah, we'll put it on the story. (laughs) Um, All right, with that, let's move into our favorites. So I have a pretty quick one this week, but it is a Twitter account that my friend told me about called at Vaccine Time. And it's only relevant if you live in Massachusetts, at least for the time being. But it's basically a like bot that will tweet when there are vaccine appointments open um, at any of the sites in Massachusetts. So like not just the mass vaccination sites, but like the Walgreens and like the random like Tufts, like all the hospitals and stuff too. Um, and I have no idea how technology like does that. Like does this robot just like scan every database like every second? And then I don't know. I have no idea how that works, but. It's really cool because if you turn on your notifications, it's much easier to scoop up a vaccine appointment rather than just like checking all the sources all the time. Um, And so I was actually able to get my boyfriend Grant an appointment by telling him about this Twitter, which is awesome. We're not eligible yet. I don't know if by the time this comes out, we will be eligible, but um, if you are eligible or you know someone in your life that is and has had trouble getting an appointment in Massachusetts, definitely check it out. I was like so impressed. You get like dozens of notifications a day about like, 15 openings here or 30 openings here. Like I have absolutely no idea how it works, but it's pretty cool. And I bet if there isn't one, like if you're not Massachusetts based, I bet there are ones for other states too. And like Reddits and stuff like that. So check it out for your state or country. Cause I bet that there's similar resources. Yeah, for sure. Anya texted me about this and I actually deleted my Twitter account a few months back because I hadn't used it in like, I'm pretty sure over a year, if not more And I was like, what's the point of having this like stagnant account just chilling on the internet? I'm just going to get rid of it. Um, But I actually ended up making a new account just to be able to like follow this and have the notifications because I figured it was worth. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it was really cool. Worth having. Um, But yeah. So definitely check it out if you're in Massachusetts or eligible to get vaccinated in Massachusetts. That's true. Um, Because we're not in Massachusetts. Right. (laughs) My favorite for this week is it actually stemmed from something that a guest of ours said in a previous episode. She talked about a like computer app that was like a to-do list that connected with Google Calendar um, and like you could time block through it and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Unfortunately, I cannot find the app anywhere. I do need to reach out to her (laughs) and ask her um, because I think I'm just spelling it wrong. So I should reach out to her and ask, but in the interim, I did find this app, Todoist, which again, it kind of works in a very similar way where you just create a to-do list, you can schedule it and hook it up to your um, Google Calendar. So if you're someone like Anya who really likes a time block, you can schedule within the app, it'll show up in your Google Calendar. 
and then you can check off as you go along. I have it so it just creates a running list at like the top of the day on my Google Calendar because I'm just not a time batching person. And I like that because it just gives me another place to look at my to-do list. So I really don't forget what I have to get done that day. Um, And yeah, I really like it. The only thing that it doesn't do that this app that our guest was talking about um, does do is she said it was our episode with Jane Simmons. So if you guys listen to that and you figure out which app she's talking about, please let me know. Um, (laughs) But she said that it allowed you to like log how long a task took. So if you Mm. like set aside like 45 minutes for a task, but it really took you an hour and a half, you can log that. So it remembers that like, oh, if you're doing this type of task, it'll take you roughly an hour and a half, which I think could be helpful for me. But this will work for now. If you've been looking for like a digital to-do list that can connect with your calendars, I highly recommend. And it's free. So yeah, I should do this. I have like a weird in-between sort of workaround right now, like just in Google Calendar itself, but it sounds like this is probably a better solution. So I should look into it for sure. Yeah. All right, let's move into the main episode topic. I am so excited for this one. It really got me jazzed. It's like (laughs) I really spent a long time on it, I feel like. Um, So I'm excited to talk about it. You guys know this is up my alley. Let's talk sustainability checklist. Yes. Okay, so as we move into the main segment of our episode, we want to kind of set the scene a little bit, give you guys kind of where we're thinking, where we're coming from, um, and the overall goals of this episode. So our main goal is making sustainability approachable and less scary slash exclusive by giving you ideas for integrating it into your shopping, diet, day-to-day, getting directly involved, whatever works for you. We want to be able to give you kind of the infrastructure to personalize it and do what is best for you. Our goal is not to overwhelm you. There is a lot of information in this episode, but we're not trying to just bombard you (laughs) with a bunch of information. Um, cause we know it can feel like you need to switch everything out all at once. Once you get like really passionate about sustainability. Uh, but we want to give you all the choices that you have so that you can think about what's best for you and your lifestyle and come away with at least one new habit that you want to integrate and that you can make a sustainable habit within your own lifestyle. Um, and if you want us to take a deeper dive on any of these, we kind of have like subcategories, like I said, shopping diet. If you want us to take a deeper dive on any of those in their own episode, let us know and we'd be happy to do that. Yes, I would be the most down to do more sustainability-minded episodes. Yes. I was actually thinking that the title of our show sort of goes along with sustainability because two degrees is the <laughs> amount of Celsius that is predicted to like affect um climate change, like to be the tipping point for climate change basically is once we hit a two degree increase, like that's when we're really going to see significant changes in our environment. So I was like, ever wanted to rebrand as a sustainability (laughs) podcast? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's it's an opportunity. Um, But anyway, for this sort of intersection, I also thought it was really important because I feel like sometimes people are like, individual actions mean nothing. Like it's the corporations that need to change. Like you bringing a straw is not going to do anything. And I think to an extent, there's some truth there. So I just want to like, put my thoughts on it out there. Um, I think it really is true that it is the greater systems that need to change, but individual actions on a collective level are really what cue that system to change. So like if, for example, I don't know, Walmart like sees their consumers buying beef, of course they're going to keep stocking beef. But if all of a sudden they're selling like 50% of the beef that they used to, they're going to reconsider those choices. So I think, you know, individual actions can make a difference 
in a collective way. And also local change is so much easier to make happen than huge systemic changes. Like we're not going to be able to meet with like the CEOs of the largest oil monsters. We're not, but like you could go to a local hearing about a plastic bag ban in your city and make a difference there. So I just think, you know, people can be kind of like cynical about individual mindsets and changes and stuff, but I think that they do really all roll up to like a greater effort. And also if it just makes you feel better, like I just know if like me personally, like I just feel better knowing that I'm not contributing to the extent that I can control. So it's just really the way you look at it. Um, And also we wanted to acknowledge that we have privilege in being able to make these choices about sustainability. I know that these choices aren't necessarily available to everybody. For some people, they were raised, you know, quote unquote, sustainably because that's what financially made sense to them. You know, they grew up reusing plastic containers because they had to. And I don't know. I just want to put it out there that like we know that it's a privilege to be able to make these choices in the first place. And I don't want to be uh, naive about that. So I think that's all the disclaimers out of the way. Yeah, all good things. So before we dive into those main categories, like we talked about, we want to talk about a few ways to approach sustainability. So we think a good place to start is really thinking about your reasons and why you want to adopt a more sustainable lifestyle. So it's like working out. If you don't like it and you don't see the big picture, you don't have goals, then you won't keep up with it. You have nothing really motivating you to continue this lifestyle. So I think the best way to go about it is really think about the things that you're passionate about in the sustainability um, world and then think about what's realistic for your lifestyle. So I think like zero waste is a good example. Some people hear that and they're like, hell yeah, I can do that. I can go zero waste. That's easy. Some people are like, I couldn't. I'm always on the go. I'm always having to get food on the go or, you know, bring uh, disposable utensils for whatever reason. Like it just may not fit into your lifestyle. So if you set the goal of zero waste, you're inevitably setting yourself up for failure because it's an unrealistic goal for you. So I think as you start to parse out those reasons, really think about which of those reasons aligns best with your own lifestyle and work from there. Because if you set realistic goals that you can be successful with, that will motivate you to keep going. Yeah, I definitely agree with this. And kind of on that note, it's really important to find a specific cause you align with the most and focus on that. And really like to what Kylie was saying earlier, like don't try to do everything at once because you're going to drive yourself crazy and it's just not possible. And it's probably less sustainable to try to make everything on this list happen at once because like it needs to be sustainable for the earth, but it also needs to be sustainable for you and your lifestyle because that's the whole point, right? If you're not going to keep up with it, it's not going to make a big difference. So Think of sustainability like for you and also for the planet. So like if plastic pollution is something that you feel really passionate about, pick up trash in your local community. If fast fashion is something that you feel passionate about, try to only buy secondhand for a month and see how it goes. If animal agriculture is something you feel passionate about, integrate, you know, some plant-based foods or like a meatless Monday or something like that. Or if like more, you know, um, bird's eye, climate change, environmental justice is something you feel passionate about, you can join a grassroots organization. Like there's so many ways to come at it. And I think that's what we're going to try to get across during this episode. Yeah, for sure. And then just to really drive it home, remember that small changes here and there can have a big impact. If everyone is making a small change in their lifestyle to be more sustainable, that's going to create that collective good like we talked about earlier. 
and use your little successes as momentum to implement more sustainable practices in your life. Being sustainable and living a sustainable lifestyle is like a constant growth thing. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, I'm 100% sustainable, incredible, like no more work to be done. That's not the point. You should be, you know, implementing small changes and then seeing how those small changes can turn into bigger changes and how you can implement more sustainability into your life. And remember that nobody's perfect. Literally nobody is 100% sustainable doing everything right 100% of the time. And that's not the point because that's not a sustainable lifestyle for you. What's sustainable is taking it day by day, making those small changes and not giving up if you falter at any point. Someone needs to count how many times we're going to say sustainable in this episode. <laughs> I know. Um, but moving into kind of those categories that we talked about, we're going to start up with in your shopping, in your consumption habits, what are things that you can do to be more sustainable? So the first one, you guys probably saw this coming. We did a whole episode on this with Gabby of Gab Grabs if you want to go back and check that out. But shop secondhand. You can do this at thrift stores. You can do Poshmark, Depop, you know, Instagram. There's so many ways to shop secondhand. And something that you guys might not know is that less than 1% of used clothing is recycled into new garments. So um, every year about $500 billion, that's an insane number, um, in value is lost due to clothing that's barely worn, not donated, recycled, or ends up in a landfill. Um, And most clothes in thrift stores end up in a landfill when they're not sold. So utilizing thrift stores as a resource can be really impactful. Um, there is, you know, this kind of gentrification aspect to keep in mind though. So if you're shopping in stores that are local to you and might be frequented by people that rely on secondhand clothing and furniture and items, um, especially for people that live in the city or in colder climates, try to leave those items, um, for those people. But if you're doing it, you know, mindfully, I think thrifting is amazing. And frankly, like one of, I only thrift or shop at like sustainable stores at this point. And that's something that I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, for sure. There's nothing like the rush of a good thrift find. So gives you that serotonin boost you need. Our next tip for the shopping category is to shop local, which I think, you know, I, I don't like to make light of the pandemic, obviously, but I do think one of the bright sides, and I say that with air quotes of the pandemic, is there was a lot of focus on local businesses mm-hmm. and keeping those afloat. Um, so keep that momentum going. If that's something that you became really passionate about during the pandemic, not only does it support your local community, um, but it also helps reduce emissions from shipping and other supply chains and quite frankly, takes away revenue from those big companies that are mm-hmm. the main problem when it yeah. comes to the environment. And again, if you're reducing their sales, they eventually, if enough people do it, are going to have to cut back on their own. And that can only help with the environment. Yeah, for sure. Such a good point. Um, Our next step is to repair items when you can. So I'm thinking about like, you know, people that a shirt would like lose a button and they would throw it Mm -hmm. out or like a zipper would stop working and they would donate it or whatever it is. Um, You can fix these things. And I know it's not like immediately the easiest thing for everybody, but you can, you know, pick up sewing in an afternoon and it's like a super awesome life skill to have. And it's going to let you like hem pants in the future and things like that. So Um, Just figuring out how to not let items go to waste just because there's like a minor defect with them or like a little hole or something like these are things that you can fix and you could get so much more wear out of that item. Um, So I think, you know, learning how to sew or even just looking into a local tailor or seamstress, you know, that kind of goes back to like helping with the local businesses too to help with repairs. 
Um, especially, you know, if you're buying like a nicer item that you want to make last a lot longer, I think this is really worth it. Yeah, for sure. Next, you should consider quality over quantity. So an example is like getting 50 Shein tops versus one top from Everlane or a more sustainable uh, store or like a thrift store. So try not to buy single-use outfits for occasions like weddings, music festivals, concerts. Believe me, as a shopaholic, I love I love doing that. I love having that <laughs> special outfit for that special occasion. And that's something I miss so much about pre-pandemic life. Um, but reusing the clothes that you have really is a sustainable practice in and of itself. Um, I do want to acknowledge, obviously, some people might have financial constraints and just can't invest in higher quality pieces or pieces that are meant to last longer because they are more expensive. But if it's something that you can swing and then get multiple uses out of it and get your money's worth out of it, it's definitely a habit to consider. Especially considering that every year the fashion industry uses 93 billion, with a B, cubic (laughs) meters of water, enough to meet the consumption needs of 5 million people. That's insane. That's That's like bigger than the state of New Hampshire. (laughs) Literally. And Yeah. And I know something that like really rocked me to my core when I started getting into sustainability is the fact that it takes roughly 700 gallons of water for one single cotton t-shirt. It really is crazy. (laughs) Cause like you have to think of the life cycle of these things, right? Like I think a lot of people think about it like when they get the item and then from there on out, but like there were so many processes that the item had to go through to get to you. So like growing the cotton watering the cotton, harvesting the cotton, transporting the cotton, turning it into a shirt, shipping the shirt, you buying the shirt. Like there's so many things that lead up to you actually just getting the shirt that you might not even think about because they're like not in our day-to-day life. So it really is crazy. Yeah. Um, and kind of on that note, this is something I feel really strongly about. So I'm going to try to not, <laughs> going to try not to focus on it like for too long, but basically um, greenwashing is a huge problem. And if you don't know what greenwashing is, It's basically using branding or a color scheme or suggestive words to suggest that you have a sustainable company when you actually don't. Because unfortunately, a lot of words related to sustainability are not actually regulated in the US. So like the word natural, there's no FDA regulation about what natural has to be. It doesn't have to be like 50% this, like no, they can just slap natural on literally anything. Same with the word biodegradable, which that is really alarming because like yeah. there's like science about what's biodegradable and what's not. Um, and even the word sustainable, like those aren't regulated words. So you have to be really careful about the brands that you trust because you could just look at a package and be like, oh my God, awesome. I'm buying a sustainable product. For example, a big culprit of this, I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's a brand called Love, Beauty, and Planet um, yes. that's carried at like Target. And that is a subsidiary brand of Unilever, which is like one of the biggest polluters in the entire world. And there's like nothing natural about the products. And so that's like a perfect example of like you as a consumer who like, you know, can't do all the research in the whole world, like would see that and be like, feel good about yourself because you're buying like a sustainable product, but you're actually not. So it's really important to do more research, which sucks. I know that's annoying. Like I hate that it's on us, but it kind of is. Um, And so certifications are really, really important when it comes to supporting truly green brands. So I just wanted to give some examples of like certifications that you can look out for. And if they have them, they will put them on their websites because most of these are really hard to get, especially like Cradle to Cradle and B Corp. Like it's things they should be proud of. So if it's not listed pretty clearly, they probably don't have it. Um, But some examples are 
the Global Organic Textile Standard, Cradle to Cradle, B Corp, PETA, Fair Trade, 1% for the Planet, Better Cotton Initiative. So just, you know, take a look and don't just automatically trust labels that look aesthetic and green because they are not always true, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Because I think a lot of people just see like the word natural or sustainable and they're like, heck yeah, I'm doing it. And your intention's there. You're killing it with the motive. But sometimes these companies are trying to bamboozle you. And I feel like that's so not talked about. Like people definitely don't know about that, you know? It's like love, beauty, and planet. Like no, love, beauty, and like you're killing the planet. Yeah, legit. (laughs) Um, So our next one Full disclosure, Anya came up with it and she did put a never mind. So I'm going to say it and then let Anya explain why it's a never mind. So I was looking into buying faux leather, suede, etc. when possible. And I had left a little note that, you know, if you are looking for genuine leather, suede goods to try to buy them secondhand, because at least if they're already made, the damage in air quotes is already done. Um, so might as well give it a longer lifespan before it ends up in a landfill but go ahead and explain your never mind yeah so I guess when I when I listed this I was thinking to myself I was like oh I wonder what like faux leather actually is and I started Mm -hmm. doing some research and I feel like you know when like pleather was a word that was talked about a lot like basically all like pleather has just rebranded to faux leather basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) so faux leather and like faux suede and stuff like that are pretty much virgin plastics which is arguably worse than leather like if you're gonna buy secondhand leather that's definitely better than buying a new plastic item so I'm taking back my suggestion about the faux leather suede I think you should just try to buy secondhand leather because like you said it's already in circulation you're saving it from going into the waste stream and um, they're probably made better too Mm -hmm. like you know plastic products can only last so long so like you're going to pay for this new faux suede thing and it's not going to even last or like wear that well whereas leather we know is like a quality good so at least it's gonna you know have a long lifespan so yeah I didn't know that though because I feel like a lot of my friends like do purposely look for faux leather and like are really proud of themselves and it kind of stinks that we can't really you know accept that as a better option do you know is vegan leather a different quality than faux leather is it just faux leather and people are trying to make it sound fancier I think it's just faux leather and people are trying to make it sound fancier. I wasn't sure because I feel like I saw a lot of things shift to saying vegan leather and I'm like, is this a a greenwashing thing? No, exactly. I think that's like a perfect example of greenwashing. I mean, do your own research if there's something you really want to buy, like look at what it's made of, but you're probably going to notice that it's like plastic origin products, which sucks. Well, the more you know, folks. (laughs) And then another thing is obviously just being honest with yourself about whether or not you need the thing that you're buying. After all, the most sustainable consumers are the ones that use what they already have. I feel like we've driven this point home in a lot of episodes, but just had to include it here on the consumption level. Yeah. Something I want to do to spark any interest is I feel like it'd be fun to get a group of friends together and do like a shop each other's closet where you bring stuff that you like don't want to wear anymore and you can just trade stuff with each other and you get like brand new clothes, but you're not buying an actual brand new piece. So I think that is a fun you know, if do it safely. COVID is still a thing. But if you and your friends are vaccinated, go off. Have a clothing swap. Yeah, we did that as a sorority event at one point. Yeah. Um, and that would be such a good – if anyone listening is in Greek life, that would be such a good sorority event because yeah. there are so many people <laughs> to trade with. Yeah, for sure. Um, so moving into the diet category, our first is – our first um, tip is to eat less meat and dairy – 
And if you're going to eat it, ensure that it is sustainably sourced if and when possible. Um, so dairy-free milks, I feel like everyone is on some sort of almond milk, oat milk, soy milk type of train these days. Yeah. Um, so that's a really easy first switch to make if it isn't a switch that you've made yet. Uh, most like coffee places, Starbucks, Dunkin' has uh, plant milks available. So it's a super easy switch to make. And I personally think it tastes better than cow milk, but maybe that's just me. Also, Impossible Burgers. For those of you that maybe are still eating meat or not super familiar with vegan and vegetarian stuff, Impossible Burger is a uh, meat substitute and they're really freaking good. I'll tell you what, I have family members who aren't vegetarian who do still eat meat and they really like Impossible Burgers, Beyond Burgers as well. So those are, and they're available in all grocery stores at this point. I think I've never had issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you can start there. Uh, the meat and dairy specifically accounts for 14.5% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is a pretty hefty chunk when you think about it. Um, and according to the UN's, or no, sorry, that's according to the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization. We come with citations, folks. <laughs> um, so given that the climate impact of plant-based foods is typically 10 to 50 times smaller than that of animal products, switching from a largely meat-based diet to a vegetarian or vegan diet could help to reduce emissions, which I know that sounds super extreme. Um, you do not have to just like wake up tomorrow morning and be like, I'm a vegan. But being a bit more mindful of it, I think, is the point that we're trying to make. So think of eating animal products as more of a special occasion rather than a daily thing. Another disclaimer, we do recognize that some people, whether it be due to financial constraints, because some like meat mimicking products, plant milks, especially when there's higher demand, can be more expensive, um, or health constraints, whatever that may be especially for any of our listeners that may be recovering from some sort of eating disorder, definitely making an extreme diet change is not the right move for you and consult doctors and nutritionists and whoever you need to before making those changes. Um, but we do recognize that there are people who can't sustainably live off of vegan and vegetarian diet, and that's totally fine. That's why we have multiple categories. This is not the end-all be-all. Um, and just do what you can when you can, even if it is just meatless Monday or you tell yourself that you know, all your breakfasts from now on won't have meat in them. Like those small changes really do make a difference. Yeah, definitely. And one more thing that I would add to the disclaimer is like food deserts are a huge problem yes. as well, like especially in urban communities. So just like even having access to this stuff isn't necessarily a given. So to Kylie's point, do what you can. We're proud of you no matter what you do. Um, some other tips that we want to share in the food category are to select sustainably sourced seafood. Which it's funny because to me, I guess environmentally, it's harder for me to wrap my head around how like seafood is problematic apart from like bycatch and like animals that you're not intending to catch getting caught in nets like dolphins and that whole thing. I'm kind of like, where do the emissions come from? Like, how does that work? Um, but I found this website called seafoodwatch.org where you can literally put in like what you are looking to buy and like the brand and stuff. And they have like a rating system with like better options and everything. So check that out if you're big into seafood. Um, another thing, this is something I'm a huge advocate for, is shopping from local farms. Obviously, Kylie and I live in New Hampshire. It's a pretty like rural state, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that this isn't an option for everybody, but there are like farmers markets in larger cities that you can look into. There was like ones that would pop up every week when I lived in Boston. So, mm-hmm. um, or even just paying the extra money for the local stuff from the grocery store, like buying those local eggs that are like $2 more or buying the local jam. That again is something that signals the demand to the big players that they need to stock more of these things because consumers want them. Um, and also, you know, relationships with farmers and like the local community are huge opportunities for education because you can learn how your food was grown, when it was harvested, and even how to prepare it, like with their recommendations and everything. Um, and it's funny because I had one volunteer experience in the Dorchester neighborhood of Boston where they had um, a plot set aside for like urban farming. And I saw kale growing and I guess I had never seen kale grow before. I thought kale just grew like a cabbage vibe, you know, like on the ground, like lettuce looking situation. Mm-hmm. No, there was like little trees. I was like blown away. Wow. So like we don't even know how our food grows people. Like <laughs> Legit. that's crazy. So just getting like in tune with that, I feel like can be really inspiring, honestly, because you know the stuff you're cooking with and like, I don't know. I just think it's really important. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Who doesn't love a cute local farm, you know? It's a vibe, honestly. It really is. <laughs> um, our next tip is to choose products with minimal or recycling packaging or to shop in bulk, as you're probably figuring out a big theme in sustainability is buying as little as you possibly can. So if you can buy in bulk, that means less trips to the store and less um, having to buy. What's the word I'm looking for? Like- Just less less having having to buy less I guess yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say um that's the burnout talking but yeah so if that's something possible for you definitely uh look into that and then also try not to let food go to waste which I realize this can kind of contradict the whole buy in bulk so it's really important for you to reflect on whether or not buying in bulk is the best thing for you or if you would let that food go to waste because if that's the case then it's definitely not the uh avenue for you I think bulk is good for you know our family people who are trying to feed yeah. multiple people. I feel um, like when I think of bulk, I'm thinking of like nuts and like flour. Yeah, more like, like, like shelf more... stable. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so don't let your food go to waste. Eat your leftovers. Use up your groceries. Utilize your freezer, especially with things like veggies and bread even. And Yeah. You know, there's so many things that have a longer shelf life when you put them in the fridge or freezer um buy the ugly produce this is another thing that I've learned more and more about (laughs) how like as consumers we just do not buy like an apple that has a small little bruise we're like well we're gonna take this perfect one but literally no one's gonna buy that bruised apple and then it's just gonna get thrown away so just buy a bruised apple I wish that I included it but I've seen like crazy stats when it comes to like how much food is thrown out just for like aesthetic purposes um and because of that I wanted to include a couple ugly produce subscription boxes that I've seen. I don't really know how they work. Like, I think you can probably schedule how often you want to receive them and stuff. But a couple that I found were Imperfect Foods, Misfits Market. So it's basically just like a CMO box Mm -hmm. that arrives. Like, you don't really know what you're going to get every week, but it's kind of fun because you have to make do with what you get as far as like fruits and veggies. And they're all just like a little bit ugly or like, I don't know. It's almost endearing to me. Like, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pick the misfit fruit. Yeah. Um, And then another tip, and this is something that I try to really implement in my life, is when you're physically at the grocery store, be honest with yourself about how much food you really need. Something that's really helped me with this is making sure that I eat before I go to the grocery store. Because we've all been there where we go to the grocery store, we're starving. And before you know it, we bought like six bags of chips. And you're like, I don't even like sour cream and onion chips. Like, why did I get these? (laughs) And then it just goes to waste. So 
you know, make sure that eat a meal before you go to the grocery store, make a list so that try to meal plan. The list list keeps me on track for sure. Yeah. And don't stray from the list because that's another thing that I'm guilty of. I make the list and then I stray from the list. Um, And yeah, so just being more mindful when you grocery shop. And the last food tip that we have is to start a small garden of herbs and small produce if you're able to. Again, this is kind of dependent on where you live. Um, but if you're able to have a little garden, I know we make we uh, grow tomatoes and peppers every year during the summer and you just get some nice fresh veggies. Yeah. And I think herbs you can even grow just like in your kitchen. So yeah. hopefully that's like doable. Um, for most people and it's fun to have fresh herbs and like it, it could be stuff that like you would never think to cook with before like you just throw a little basil on because you have it it's kind of nice so now moving into the like day-to-day routine aspect of this episode um, recycling and composting if you can is really important I will say I've heard of this term called wish cycling which is really interesting but basically it's important to look into like what your local community recycler accepts because you can think you're doing something good by throwing away what or throwing what you perceive to be recyclable into the bin. But um, a lot of facilities have like really different requirements. Like for example, I recently learned that, you know, those like Tetra pack things that a lot of like nut milks come in. Mm -hmm. So they're mostly paper, but they have a little bit of plastic binding and then they have a little bit of metal lining inside. And apparently that makes it really hard to recycle because they're just so many different materials. So like look into your recycle facility make sure that they accept things like that because if you're throwing in things that aren't actually recyclable it's um holding up the whole process and making it less efficient honestly which sucks because it's like you think you're doing a good thing but in reality you should just throw it out which is like the worst feeling but um something to do a little research on and also i know that like composting isn't realistic for everybody um if you don't have like a backyard or if you don't want like a compost thing on your kitchen table or whatever like i get it Um, but I've actually seen a lot of like local compost collectives, especially when I lived in Boston, there were like multiple you could choose from. And so it's like a bucket situation. (laughs) Like they give you a bucket and then they like come by like weekly and pick it up and then they give you the, the compost soil. So if you have plants, you can use it. Like it's a pretty cool program. So check out if there's any of those around you too. I think it was pretty affordable. Um, but yeah, recycling and composting and just trying to keep things out of landfills is super important. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of keeping things out of landfills. Switching to reusable items is huge. I feel like most of us are probably familiar with one or two reusable items, Um, but some examples are dryer balls instead of dryer sheets, water bottles, which I'm realizing that as we're filming this episode, I've been drinking out of a plastic water bottle. So again, (laughs) nobody's perfect. (laughs) Um, It is like a flavored water. I have all plain water is in a reusable water bottle, I swear. Um, Silicone food bags. This is something that I had, uh, especially in college when I was like, going between classes and had to pack food. They're amazing. Um, Yeah. And some of the guests that we've had on this show sell really amazing, sustainable, reusable products like Uvita, Maria from Uvita. So definitely check them out. And then for more sustainable period care, look to Viv. She sells the the Diva Cups so that your, Mm -hmm. that's what they're called, right? Menstrual Cup. Yeah, I think Diva I think Cups Diva's the brand the name. Brand name. Mm-hmm. Um, but menstrual cups, so that can help reduce waste uh, with tampons. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention that in the intro that I went to the I went to Uvita, and since yeah. we recorded with her, she now has her own store. So when we recorded, it was still um, a corner of uh, her mom's store, but now she has her own store in the north end of Boston, and it's so cool if you're 
logo. Definitely go check it out. Um, I bought these beautiful pompous grass, which I've always wanted. So I was really excited about it. Um, but I digress. Um, <laughs> our next tip is making sure when you're operating a big piece of like machinery, like um, I guess what's the word appliance in your house, um, make sure that it's actually full. So like don't run your laundry for like two items. Don't run your dishwasher for like three plates. Just try to make sure that you're running full loads of these things because they're going to use the same amount of energy and water regardless. So it's better to be efficient in that way. And also for like your electric bills too, like it'll help you. Um, And also don't wear everything after just one wear. I'm sort of guilty of this and I get it with like workout stuff. Obviously you want to wash that kind of stuff like polyester things, but jeans you definitely don't have to wash after everywhere you know some cotton like breezy t-shirts you probably don't have to wash after everywhere so obviously some people are more comfortable with that than others but just like look at what you're washing see if you can get like one more wear out of it never hurts yeah for sure our next tip uh is to walk or take public transportation if it's an option around you So obviously in Boston, that's a bit more sustainable for Anya and I than it is right now in New Hampshire. But even if you're in a location where you can't necessarily walk or take public transportation, look into like carpooling. Like if you have Mm -hmm. a friend at work that doesn't live too far from you, maybe carpool with them or carpool to school. Um, Because at the end of the day, that is one less car on the road. And it's a fun way to, you know, connect with coworkers and classmates and form bonds. (laughs) (laughs) form those bonds (laughs) um the next tip is to use this is probably the easiest one on this list for sure so everyone should go do this right after they stop listening to this episode there's a search engine called ecosia and it's basically a google alternative but for every search they plant trees i don't think they plant like one tree per search i imagine it's like a proportion of you know many searches go into planting one tree but they're actually a very legit company because for a while i was kind of like no i don't know if this is like actually legit but they are. And there was a whole episode on the How to Save a Planet podcast about them. So go check that out. Um, but it's like the easiest switch ever because like I feel like we all just use Google because it's what it, our computers open up to. But if you just bookmark this and make your computer open up to Ecosia, you're literally like the SEO is the same. Like you're not even going to notice the difference and you're going to be contributing to the greater good. So definitely get on that. For sure. The next one is to utilize your local library instead of buying new books. So again, this is just another way to I'm saying shop in air quotes because obviously you have to return the book afterwards (laughs) but it is a more sustainable practice to be able to read new books and then bring them back to the library you can even look into a lot of thrift stores I know Goodwill Mm -hmm. um, Savers have books as well so again that's sort of shopping secondhand but yeah just another sustainable switch for you yes the next one is one that nobody wants to hear I know but travel less because um, air traffic is in the top five things that an individual's, um, you know, carbon emissions can be tied to. It's like diet, flying, like there's a very few things that you can actually like meaningfully reduce a large section of your carbon emissions. And this is one of them. I know we all want to travel, especially when this pandemic is over. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm certainly going to do it. But I think just be more intentional with your flights. Like, you know, if you're already in Europe, stay for a couple weeks if you can and visit like multiple places and maybe take the train in between and things like that, rather than going to Europe on like three separate occasions in the course of a year. Um, there's just ways to be more conscious about it. But I recognize that, you know, sometimes you have to fly and that's the reality. And sometimes you want to fly and that's okay. But just trying to, you know, close the loop a little more when you can. 
Um, our last tip for your day-to-day routine is to find a program for e-waste and buy your electronic secondhand when you can. So most e-waste is toxic and only 12.5% of e-waste is currently recycled. So just doing your research and figuring out how you can contribute as much as you can um, could be a really helpful and sustainable switch. And I also want to mention, this is like brand new information to me and I definitely need to do more research on it before I can like speak on it in depth. But I had no idea how horrible cryptocurrency is for the environment. So things like Bitcoin, because I think you think, oh, it's virtual. So like, how could it be bad? But the amount of energy that is required for it is like so damaging to the environment. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It needs so. so much energy. And I don't even really get it either. I'm like, how does the computer, yeah. like, like, what do you mean? Where is it yeah. looking? Like, they're, it's not actually mining. Like, what do you mean? But it's true. Yeah. Um, and something else that I want to say on the electronics front is e-waste really is so problematic. I had a whole course on this in school, especially when it comes to, like, third world countries because we, we just export a lot of our e-waste. Sure. And it's, like, a human rights issue, basically. Um, and something else that I've noticed with buying electronic secondhand is that like a lot of times it's not even secondhand. It's like they're new, but the box would have been opened. Like, have you ever seen that in like Best Buy? They have like the open box, like versions of whatever, like look at those because you get like crazy discount and like they're practically new. So, yeah. yeah. um, all right. So moving into the last section of this episode, or I guess close to last, um, these are ways to get a little more, I guess, directively, directly, actively <laughs> involved. I kind of combined directly and actively there um, in, you know, car- like climate change and reducing your emissions and things like that. So the first one that I wanted to mention, I don't, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but it's offsetting your carbon emissions. So you may see a good example is like Etsy. If you look on Etsy, they have a little tagline on the front page of their website that says like Etsy offsets all carbon emissions from shipping. And basically what that means is that Etsy is paying a carbon offset company a certain amount of money like per month or per year or whatever to like quote unquote offset what they're doing. And then this company is going to, you know, maybe plant trees or like whatever to quote unquote offset it. But it's really not like an exact science. Like there's no way to actually guarantee that that amount of carbon is going to be like absorbed it just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. And I know sure. that like, in, from my perspective, it's sort of like you're just putting a Band-Aid on the problem instead of actually addressing it. But for some people, it makes them feel better. I have a couple of friends that offset their emissions um, every month on just like a subscription level. So if it's something you want to look into, I know that it's something people like to do, but I just wanted to add my two cents um, that I don't <laughs> think it's like going to solve anything basically. Yeah. I think it's it's a good step to add, but definitely don't let it be the end all be all of your sustainable journey. Right. Um, Our next tip is to keep track of local legislation. Like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, local change is really what drives the momentum for systemic change. It has to start at that local level. Um, So a good example is the plastic bag ban in Cambridge. I think Boston also has a plastic bag ban too, right? Yeah, so it started in Cambridge. And I think Cambridge was one of the first, like now entire states have it, but I think when it first happened, Cambridge was one of the first like municipalities to ban them. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that's extended to Boston and a bunch of other towns in Massachusetts. So like just goes to show you got to go to those meetings. Like you got to like show up at like town hall and like, you know, show your support and things like that to make these types of things happen. The next one is to vote, vote for candidates that have environmental causes in mind. Um, And I know, you know, there's 
levels to this. You don't necessarily want to vote for a third party because that can take away votes from a more viable party, all sorts of things. But just like research people's platforms and make sure that like your views are aligned on the environmental front. That's basically like my main priority when I'm voting, but that's, you know, that's just me. I'm sure it's not everyone's main priority, but just, you know, make sure it's on their radar, make sure it's something they at least care about. I think it's really important. Yeah. And definitely remembering that local elections are just as important as like the big presidential election. Cause I think a lot of people only think of voting in presidential elections or big, you know, House or Senate elections. Um, But also, if you're looking at local legislation, that's being passed by local officials, and those are elected officials. Um, So finding people who do align with your environmental policy and who are going to bring that legislation to the table is just as important as having a president or vice president or senator who does the same thing. Um, Probably even more impactful. Yeah. And then our next tip is to pay towards renewable energy funds. I'm not super familiar with these if you want to speak on this, Anya. Yeah. So I actually used to work um, at a state agency focused on energy, and this was something we sort of dealt with. But basically, there are like opt-in programs that you can do for your energy bill that will like – I don't want to say guarantee – because it's not like you can't really control the grid necessarily. But mm-hmm. um, for example, you could just have like a subcharge on your electricity bill that you opt into that's maybe like five or eight extra dollars a month. And that ensures that renewable energy sources in your area, it, it's sort of like on paper, like you're going to get it from the renewable energy sources. In reality, that's not really true. Because like I said, you can't really control like the grid of your <laughs> community. But what you can't control is that those, you know, renewable energy facilities are like maintained at least. So the money goes towards things like that. So if you have like an opt-in option um, for your utility bill, something to look into. You might also have it as like a little tax. Um, that's something Massachusetts has. But so the next one is to sign petitions when you see them go around. I feel like that's such a thing on social media right now. And like it can yeah. be kind of exhausting, but I mean, it can't hurt, right? Like just putting yeah. your name on a list, like I don't know. Yeah. And it takes like three seconds most of the time. Yeah. I mean, obviously Um, like look that it's like legit and not like a scam or something. But if it's on like a reputable site, I feel like it's just worth doing. If it's a change.org, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, Our next one is to join grassroots organizations, especially if you're still in school. Not only is this good for the environment, but it's also, it looks good on a resume. Um. Uh, so I think a good example of this, or I, I shouldn't say a good example, a common example is like Sierra Club. I feel like most people yeah. have probably heard of that by now. But even going beyond that and like doing a quick Google search of Boston environmental grassroots organizations and figuring out those organizations that are really local to you and volunteering your time with them can be incredibly impactful. Yeah, definitely. And um like when you're in school, there's certainly clubs um, at your university that deal with environmental causes. So like one that comes to mind for me is Net Impact. I think that's like Mm -hmm. a nationwide thing with a lot of chapters. Um, My school also had like a divestment (laughs) club, which was actually pretty like ballsy. Like they did like a camp out on the lawn to like protest investment in fossil fuels by the university and stuff like that. So um, there's definitely options. And I kind of wish that I was more involved in these clubs. I think part of me was like, oh, this is my major. I don't have to like go above and beyond. But looking back, I kind of wish that I was more involved in some of these. So sure, check them out. And then the last one that we have is just to be informed about these topics and talk about them with your circle. Um, you probably have more influence than you think you do. So like if you're 
you know, just talking to your friends about fast fashion and, you know, why it matters and things like that. And just being informed so that you can have those conversations when they come up is really important. So listening to this episode was a great first step. Yeah. And if you want a concrete example, Anya went vegetarian, what, six years ago almost now? Yeah. And then a year later, her good pal Kylie tagged along (laughs) and decided to try being a vegetarian and has done so for almost five years now. And then my friend Emily ended up going vegetarian as well. And she's no longer fully vegetarian, but she does eat mainly plant-based with like meat on special occasions. So there was like a whole chain of events. And now there's three people who are eating significantly less meat in their diet. So yeah, you have and I'm not saying to like, don't like bully your friends. Into yeah, like no, the Anya did not do. bully me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, you, you're an example to other people, whether you know it or not, you know, the way yeah. you eat, like. Oh, they're going to say, why did you order that? Oh, I'm eating plant-based. Oh, how come? Like, just be ready to have those conversations because clearly they make a difference. Um, And then kind of ending out this episode with a couple of resources. I'll just spit a a couple off the top of my head. These are my favorites. The first one is the How to Save a Planet podcast. I love this podcast. It comes out every Thursday. They do really great work. Um, And I, what I really like about this podcast is that they give specific action items at the end of every episode for ways to actually get involved with their causes. They recently did one on um, seaweed and I'm like obsessed. Like I literally want to get involved with like grassroots seaweed organizations because (laughs) apparently it's like going to help us with climate change. So anyway, I digress. (laughs) Give it a listen. Um, Another resource is Clean Kick, especially if you're still in school. So this was started by a Northeastern student who um, I'm kind of an acquaintance with and it's an online community. So they publish articles and blog posts and things like that. They have a really cute Instagram. So check them out. Um, and their whole approach is to make sustainability, you know, more accessible, basically. So it's a really good, really good initiative. And then the last one, I think I mentioned this as my favorite in a pretty recent episode, um, a YouTube channel called, okay, I, in the episode, I was saying Shell Bisley, like I didn't know how to say it. I have recently learned that it is Shell Bizzle. <laughs> um, but we'll have all that link down below for you guys to check out. <laughs> Yes. And then two quizzes that we have that can help you kind of measure where you're at and what your current carbon footprint is, is first from ThreadUp, which is an online thrift store. So definitely check them out. I'm not super familiar with how they more sustainably ship goods, but I'm sure they have information on their website. They probably offset. Probably. (laughs) Um, But they do have this quiz. It's called How Dirty Is Your Closet? And so it focuses specifically on your fashion habits and choices and how you can implement more sustainable practices in that side of your life. And then there's also the what is your ecological footprint quiz, which just gives you more of an overall sense of what your current carbon footprint is. I always find these things really eye-opening and inspiring to help me start, you know, adding a new sustainable habit. So definitely check them out. And then I also found a resource. It has 45 different sustainability resources and they're broken down into different categories published by Purdue Global. Um, So we will leave the link for that down below in case you're looking for other resources to bounce off of from here. Awesome. Well, this episode, like I said, really got me jazzed. I hope you guys (laughs) liked it. Um, We would love to do more sustainability focused episodes if it's something that you guys are into. And I guess I just... I, I don't want this – I feel like sometimes the sustainability community can come off like sort of like the veganism movement, like very yeah. judgy and like and if like not perfect, you shouldn't even – yeah, you know, and I just – I don't want it to be like that. So I hope that this episode gave you at least one thing you can take away and incorporate. Yeah, for sure. And with that, I guess we will see you all 
next Tuesday. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. In the meantime, I think that's our... <laughs> rate yeah, us. So give us five stars. Yes. Give us a rating. Send us an email with a voice recording yes. if you want to be in our anniversary episode. And I guess that's it. So we'll talk yeah. to you guys next week. Yes. Chat next Tuesday. Bye.